Good morning. So most of you probably already know me, but if you don't, my name is Jenny. And you're probably wondering why I am here preaching today. And to be honest, I don't really know the answer to that question. <laughs> there have been many times in the last 10 years Jason has asked me to preach, and I have immediately turned him down every single time. I'm way more comfortable over behind a piano or behind a microphone singing, but not speaking. But this time was different, and I'm not really sure why I said yes. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was that I love the book of Ruth, who we're talking about today. Or maybe it was just sleep deprivation, and I said yes. <laughs> Regardless, I am here. And if nothing else, I would love for you to walk away today knowing how much Jesus truly loves you. So let's get started. Last week, we started an Advent series called She Doesn't Belong Here, dot, 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 but God. And last week, Tim did a great job preaching about a woman of the Bible named Tamar. And if you didn't hear it, you should go back and listen because it was really good. And we have a lot to learn about these women that Jason was talking about that lead to the genealogy of Jesus. They, in many ways, are women in which people felt like didn't belong. And yet they're such an important part of heritage. So today we're talking about one of my very favorites, Ruth. And if you're not familiar with the book of Ruth, I'm going to give you a rundown. It's a short but sweet book in the Old Testament with only four chapters, but it says so much about who God is, how much God loves us, and how God works in our day-to-day -day lives. So let's start at the very beginning, and I want to put up a family tree because I am a visual learner, especially when it comes to genealogies. So at the very beginning of Ruth chapter one, we have Elimelech and Naomi. But Elimelech and Naomi are an Israelite couple that live in Bethlehem. And they are married with two boys, Chilion and Malon. And there was a famine in their land. So they left Bethlehem of Judah and they went to this place called Moab, to this foreign place in search of food. Now, Moab is essentially Israel's enemy. And they settled there. But in verse three, Elimelech dies. So let's read from verse three. But Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Then only she was left along with her two sons. They took wives for themselves, Moabite women. The name of the first was Orpah, and the name of the second was Ruth. And they lived there for about 10 years. But both of the sons, Malon and Chilion, also died. Only the woman was left without her two children, and without her husband. Wow. So in the first five verses of Ruth, Naomi has lost her husband and her two sons. So let's look at that family tree again. We have Elimelech and Naomi married in the land that's going through famine with two sons, Chilion and Malon. They move away to get food. She loses her husband. Her sons get married to these two women and then her sons die. So it's hard for me as a woman, as a wife, as a mom, and a daughter-in-law to not think about what I might have felt in this situation. It's pretty unimaginable for me to put myself in Naomi's shoes as a mom. I have two sons myself. So to think about losing my husband and my two sons being alone in a foreign place is totally incomprehensible. So Naomi decides that she's going to go back home 
because she doesn't have a reason to stay in Moab. So she tells Orpah and Ruth that she's headed back to Bethlehem and they journey on. And then she says, you guys go on back to Moab. There's no reason for you to come with me. And she kissed them and she asked the Lord to be good to them as they had been good to her and to her sons. And they weep and they tell Naomi, no, we're going to go back with you to Judah to be with you and your people. And Naomi urges them to stay in Moab. Go ahead and go on back. There's no reason. And Orpah weeps and she kisses Naomi and she heads back to her homeland of Moab. But Ruth stays with Naomi. And Naomi says, look, your sister-in-law went ahead and went back. You go ahead and go too. And this is Ruth's response in verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to abandon you, to turn back from following after you. Wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do this to me and more so if even death separates me from you. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her about it. So now we have Ruth going back to a foreign land for her as a widow or herself with her mother-in-law. So let's take a break from the story. And in the words of my husband, let's everybody say pause. Ready? Pause. I have to knock on him a little bit because he gave me the microphone. So I get to make fun of him a little bit. All right. So remember when I said that it's hard for me to not put myself in the shoes of the story. And we talked about what it would feel like as a mom. But let's talk about me as a daughter-in-law. Raise your hand if you have in-laws or you've ever had in-laws before. That is a lot of you. So in-laws get kind of a bad rap sometimes, maybe for good reasons, but also maybe because parents are protective of their children and nobody is good enough for their baby. So that relationship can somehow be strained. But I just want to brag a little bit on my mother-in-law for a second. I have a picture up here. This is my mother-in-law, Janice Knott. And the picture on the left is me and Janice at a wedding shower in 2009 before Jason and I got married. And the other picture is of me at my nursing graduation. My mother-in-law, Janice, is a nurse. And she has treated me like one of her own since day one. She's encouraged me, supported me, sacrificed for me done so much for me, just like Naomi. And I pray that someday if I do become a mother-in-law, that I am as gracious as she is to me. So Janice is a mother of three boys. Jason is one of her three boys. All three boys are married. So Jason, I mean, Janice has three daughter-in-laws. So if I put myself in the shoes of this story, I wonder, would I be Ruth or would I be Orba? Orpah loved Naomi. She loved her mother-in-law and she kissed her and she followed Naomi's advice to go on back to Moab. So I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many of you would be the Ruth in this story as a daughter-in-law or son-in-law. Um, but I just wanted to brag on my mother-in-law for a second. All right, let's get back to the story. Everybody say unpause. <laughs> so we end chapter one with Ruth and Naomi going back to the land of Judah. And Naomi, at the end of this chapter, changes her name to Mara, which in Hebrew means bitterness. And now Naomi in Hebrew means pleasantness, just the opposite. 
Naomi feels as though the Lord has made her bitter and is being punished. And in the midst of grief, she feels like her whole identity has changed. Have you ever taken on the identity of Mara amidst maybe a grieving time? I certainly have done that. And on a side note, Ruth in Hebrew means friend. So the story continues in chapter two with Naomi and Ruth going back to Bethlehem looking for food. And Ruth goes out to a field to glean. And there she meets a man named Boaz. Now, Boaz is a kind and righteous and generous man, even after knowing that Ruth is a foreigner. So let's go to chapter two, verses five through nine. Boaz said to his young man, the one who was overseeing the harvesters, to whom does this young woman belong? The young man who was overseeing the harvesters answered, she's a young Moabite woman, the one who returned with Naomi from the territory of Moab. She said, please let me glean so that I might gather up grain from among the bundles behind the harvesters. She arrived and has been on her feet from the morning until now and has sat down only for a moment. Boaz said to Ruth, haven't you understood my daughter? Don't go glean in another field. Don't go anywhere else. Instead, stay here with my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that they are harvesting and go along after them. I've ordered the young men not to assault you. Whenever you are thirsty, go to the jugs and drink from what the young men have filled. So this is a big deal. Boaz has treated her favorably invited her to eat with her harvests and glean with his own servants and instructed the men not to assault her. Crazy, right? I mean, this just shows you how dangerous the situation could have been for Ruth. So Ruth comes home and she tells Naomi that she has met Boaz and Naomi is thrilled about this. And she explains to Ruth that Boaz is their family redeemer. You might've also heard kinsman redeemer before. The cultural practice is that if a man dies and leaves wife, children, children, or land, that the redeemer can marry the widow and take land and protect the family. So in chapter three, Naomi begins to play matchmaker in a way and starts to plan how they can get Boaz to notice her differently. So they start picking out perfume and what she's going to wear. And Naomi gives Ruth instructions on how to go to Boaz. So in chapter three, verse 10, this is Boaz's response after she comes to him. He said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have acted even more faithfully than you did at first. You haven't gone after rich or poor young men. And now my daughter, don't be afraid. I'll do for you everything that you are asking. So in the final chapter, chapter four of Ruth, Naomi finds out that Boaz has gone and found that there's a family member that's closer to Naomi that can be the family redeemer. But when the man finds out that he would need to marry Ruth, the Moabite woman, he declines. So Boaz marries Ruth and they have a child. So this is my favorite part. Let's put back up the family tree here. So Boaz and Ruth get married, have a son named Obed. Obed has a son named Jesse. Jesse has a son named David and David leads down to Jesus. So this whole story of Ruth begins with tragedy, death and loss and ends with new life and hope for the future. So there's so many lessons to be learned 
tons out of this little bitty story of Ruth. But there's three major things that I just want us to hear today. The first is that God is concerned about and loves all people of different races, nationalities, status, and gender. The second is that God uses your daily lives in small ways to weave together a bigger plan. And the third is that God has a redeemer for you in place. So let's go back to the first. God is concerned about and loves all people of different races, nationalities, status, and gender. It's clear throughout this book of Ruth in the Bible that God is at work in all of these people. Naomi, the Israelite widow, Ruth, the Moabite widow, and Boaz, this man of noble character. This whole Advent series that we're doing is based off of people who might seemingly not belong, but God, but God uses them in mighty ways. And friends, we are all made in the image of God, despite our differences. The second one is that God uses our daily lives in small ways to weave together a bigger plan. Believe it or not, God is only mentioned by the author two times in the book of Ruth, but mentioned by the characters much more times. And this is not a story in the Bible where God is showing up all over the place very visibly, but God is working through the relationships with other people for good and redeeming purposes. I know in my life, a lot of the time that I see God show up is between friends, family, and even my patients. The third is that God has a redeemer for you in place. God wants to redeem your story to turn tragedy and loss into hope and new life, just like in the story of Ruth. And just like Boaz was the family redeemer for Ruth, a foreigner, an immigrant, an outsider, so is Jesus, our redeemer for everyone. Everyone that feels as though that they don't belong. I'm sure at one point or another, we have all felt like we don't belong. Just like Mara. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus was born so that our stories can be redeemed. So when reading over these three points or hearing them, you might think, yeah, yeah, I know God loves me. God has a plan. God can redeem my life. But do you really believe those things? For me, it's easy to stand here and say those points and tell you that Jesus loves you and is working in your life. But sometimes it's really hard to believe. When I think about tragedy, loss, unjustness, inequality, that feeling of being alone or not belonging, sometimes these things are hard to believe deep down in our soul. But this book of Ruth is such a great reminder of how much God is at work in our lives, even behind the scenes, and that he wants to redeem our story. So there's two questions I want you to just take home with you this week. And the first is that who is like a Ruth to you? Is there anyone in your life that shows up that's loyal in your emptiness and loneliness and grief? And the second is who can you be a Ruth to, especially in this Advent season? Who can you show up for? So I want to close with some pieces of one of my very favorite children's book. It's called When God Made You. This book is by Matthew Paul Turner and illustrated by David Cattrall. And by the way, all their books are amazing. We have them all. So 
if you have any questions, let me know because I, I just love these books. Um, but this book is particularly hard for me to get through reading to my children without crying. Every single time I read it, I cry. And the reason is because I know it's true. I know that God loves my children, that God made them. And so this week I was thinking, well, how would I feel if I read this book to myself? Would I believe it to be true? Would I feel the same way about reading this as I do to my kids? Because the truth is that God feels the same way about me as he does my boys. So I want to read a couple things from this book. An exclusive design, one God refined. You're a perfectly crafted one of a kind. Because when God made you, somehow God knew that the world needed someone exactly like you. You, you. God thinks about you. God was thinking of you long before your debut. From the very beginning, amid history and time, you, little one, never left God's mind. You, you, when God sees you, God delights in what is and sees only what's true. That you, yes, you, in all of your glory, bring color and rhythm and rhyme to God's story. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your redeeming love, for the work that you do in our lives that is seen and God that is unseen. Lord, we pray for those that might be feeling grief, loss and sadness, bitterness, or maybe that feeling of not belonging or being alone. Lord, we pray that you be near in this season of Advent. Forgive us, Lord, for not always believing that we are beautifully and wonderfully made by you. May the story of Ruth inspire us to love one another and to trust in your goodness. Amen. <laughs>